Welcome to another episode of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Hey, welcome to the Week Pastors Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for episode two. We are really grateful Woo! for you joining us, like uh, joining with us this week. And uh, thank you for the feedback that you gave to us. And thank you for all those who listened to the very first podcast. Um, uh, what we want to do today, well, first of all, uh, if you guys, if this is your first, my name is Peter Ahn, and I'm a pastor at Metro Community Church in Englewood, New Jersey. And I have a great co-host. Her name is Sua. And Suo, just say hello to everyone. I'm Suo Huang. I am not a pastor, and I live in Columbus, Ohio. What is your most special talent that you have? My most special talent? Yeah. Um, I can tie the stem of a cherry with my tongue. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. John is always very impressed by this. Wow. I, I, boy, that's that's crazy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's that's pretty yeah. amazing. All right. Well, well, God-given talent. I was <laughs> very useful. That. I wasn't and practical. That answer. Uh, <laughs> so you know, you know, I got to share this funny thing. So I, we went bike riding uh, to Maine this year with uh, you know with a group nice. to raise money yeah. for some ballet. <laughs> and um, and so like you know, I, I when I when I'm riding, I, I chew a lot of like punk uh, a lot of sunflower seeds, and I'm <laughs> able to ride my bike and you know chew the seed and spit out the shell. I was gonna say, while, did you just Spit it out while you're riding? Yeah, yeah. I spit out the shell and I still have a whole bunch of seeds in my mouth so I can what? do all of that together. And so like, you know, so, you know, Sharky's, Pastor Steve Sharky's in Massachusetts, but he was on staff with us too. He was like, I can't do that, Peter. I just, I, I tried. I just can't do that. I wish I could do it, but I can't. I'm like, okay. You know, you know what he said at the end, he goes, wow, you must be a really good kisser. <laughs> I'm like, what? I was like, you don't say that to a dude. He goes, for you to be able to use your tongue like that, you must be a good kisser. No, but no, but that is really crazy. So you just have a bunch of sunflower seeds and then you just take the peel off. I and take, I'm like a hamster. Crazy. I can take one and peel it with, with my teeth and then eat the sunflower seed and spit out the shell. Wow, you've one up yeah. me. Who cares no, about no, cherry no, no, no. stem? I can't. This is practical. I cannot, I cannot. So when you say you can do that wow. with your tongue, I, I immediately thought about what Steve Sharkey said to me. So anyway, but you know what your I'm talent is kisser. also? You know, what mm -hmm. your, you know what your talent is? You speak three languages. That's not a talent. Girl, you speak perfect Spanish, perfect English, and perfect Korean. That is a freaking talent. Yeah, but you know what? That, that makes me a strange person because I learned... No, it the, doesn't. Well, no, because of the, the ages at which I learned each of the languages, I speak mostly without an accent for any of them. Um, yeah. Because it was 5, 7, and like 12, 13, right? And so I, I speak most of them. But what what's weird about it is then whoever's... Whoever I'm speaking to, whatever language I'm speaking to, they expect me to be culturally that language, yeah. like the culture of the language, but I'm not. And so I think it confuses people because when I went to college, I remember we were introducing ourselves and I said, um, I'm from New Jersey, but I grew up in Guatemala. And this one girl who was in my small group, she was like, oh, and I was like, what the heck? Like, what is that? And she goes, I knew you were too weird to be from New Jersey. <laughs> But this That's is right. this is the thing. It's like there's That's like right. you know, it's kind it, of like it explains a lot of things. Okay, it explains a lot of things. But yeah. I think that's really cool that you can speak three languages perfectly. And you know, I've seen you speak Spanish because when you served here on staff, um, you know, Englewood has the largest population is the mm -hmm. Latino mm -hmm. community. So you were able to sí, translate stuff, write español. stuff. Me Dang, all right, all right. So so that definitely helps you to be pretty cool. But anyway, so yeah, so. <laughs> So uh, it's good. So anyway, but let's let's try to get to the thing that we want to talk about. Yeah, so we last, have a good I, one today. We have a good at, at our last podcast. We talked about soulmates, and part of this, the reason why, is that if we ever want to live 
a weak lifestyle, which really means a vulnerable lifestyle, we need to be able to be vulnerable with someone. And that's mm-hmm. a real key component that most people, most Christians never do. Most Christians will never have uh, somebody that I like to call a soulmate. Some people call it soul partners because they like to save the mate for their spouse. But uh, soul partners or soulmates where they have somebody where they can really intentionally, regularly on a weekly basis or biweekly basis, they can just confess and share their temptations, their sins and things like that. Um, and because we don't have that, we end up living, you know, this dark side all alone and nobody knows about it. And if you're a pastor, um, that's that's basically your, I believe you're a ticking time bomb and you're going to explode one day and, and eventually you won't be in ministry much longer after that. So over the years, what has really saved me and I am here where I'm at, been ministering not as long as some of you who might be listening for 17 years, going on 18 years, grateful by the grace of God that I've been able to do that. Um, I wouldn't be where I'm at today, um, particularly because my dark side was so deep. I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for my soulmates. Like, really, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And it's it's saved me so many times, and it's been my lifeline uh, for my duration here as a pastor. And will be for the rest of my life mm-hmm. that there will be people that I journey with, uh, people from the same sex. It's got it. You can't do this with a, like somebody from the opposite sex because um, it just it, w- it won't be a good thing to do but this is somebody that you should pick from the same sex where you get to do life with and they'll understand uh, this person can't be your spouse right so Sue, you can't be like well I'm gonna I'm gonna ask John to be my soulmate nah you really can't do that because I don't know if we can handle completely and fully the dark worlds of our spouse um, if we're married to them and so I think it's somebody that has to be somebody who understands gender who understands the gender of, of being a woman or a man you know things like that but this is this is an important topic and I'm hoping that you know we can have conversations conversations about this. But first, like Sua, so you've been at Metro when you were on our staff. I talked about this at staff a lot, uh, really kind of made it a requirement for our staff to make sure they're living in that kind of a relationship. I preach about it all the time. In fact, I'm preaching this Sunday and I'm going to be speaking about that. So any event, um, how how have you taken to the soulmate concept? Um, Okay, I'm going to be honest. I haven't done it for a very, very long time. you're right and that metro has always really encouraged us to have soulmates and i completely agree with it it's not that i disagree the reason yeah. why i have not done it is not because i disagree with the importance and the value of it it's just um part of it i'm just gonna blame i don't think it's an excuse i think it's legitimate i think part of it is that um the stage of life that i had been in which was i was working full-time i had two young kids my husband was in residency i had no me time like my me time was yeah. literally getting a root canal um that was literally a version of me time because i had an hour where i didn't have to talk to anybody or meet anybody else's mm-hmm. needs and so prioritizing my own mental health needs or prioritizing my spiritual needs was not necessarily something that I felt like I had the luxury of doing. That was, but was one. There, but, but was there collateral damage because of that or no? Like you're like, but you know, I was still able to kind of walk the straight and narrow. Things were fine. Like, you know, but was there any collateral damage as a result of not being in those kinds of relationships? Uh, d- definitely. Definitely. I would say there was collateral damage. Um, but because my life was such a crap show at the time, and mm. I, I hesitate to say this because I was working at the Metro. <laughs> At the time. Why was it a crap show? What was going on here? No, but you know, here. it's it's the working mother's plight. You know, you just feel mm-hmm. like you're not doing anything well, especially in that stage when the kids are extremely young. You just feel like you're not doing anything well. You feel like right. you're not doing fa- being faithful to, you know, your ministries or your jobs and everything you feel like you're doing at 50%. And so, yeah, um, yeah there was definitely collateral damage. 
Um, but I don't know if I can attribute it spe like specifically to the soulmates. However, I will tell you, um, after not doing it for a while and having forgotten about it because I've stopped attending Metro for so long, recently I had an encounter with um, somebody randomly at one of John's work gatherings. Um, I met the wife of one of the physicians and I was telling her all these issues that I was having with a pastor of a church I was attending at the time. Mm -hmm. And my gosh, she spoke some truth bombs to me. And I had not had that for so long mm -hmm. that I was really taken aback for a second. I said, what are you, what are you saying? Because usually when I say things, they'll just kind of like whoever I speak to, they're just like, yeah, that's terrible. Like he's terrible, you know, but no, she, she was like, mm-mm. And she was like, that wow. is absolutely not. And then she said, what does this say about you? Why are you, you know, what does Ooh, this she went communicate there, about huh? you? That's what soulmates do. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I realized, holy crap, this is what a soulmate needs to do. They need to be able to rebuke me with truth. Um, and I need to give them the authority to speak into me, right? And yep. so I, it once again reminded me, oh, crap, I probably need to get a soulmate. Right. So Sua, like what she helped you to do is that she helped you to sort of understand and grow in greater self-awareness. And that's mm -hmm. that's the mm -hmm. gift of what a soulmate does. A soulmate is not just somebody that is going to just confront you and help you to grow. I mean, that's great. That's that's helpful. But what she did for you was that she helped you to grow in greater self-awareness. Yeah. And my mentor, Pete Cazero, he says this all the time. He says, Peter, the greatest gift we can give to ourselves is to grow in self-awareness because we live with so many blind yeah, that's, spots. That's right. Th there's no way, Sua, you can grow on your own and be fully self-aware. You need other people to help you with that. And I think uh, the best benefit of a soulmate is that you end up growing in deeper self awareness where you become comfortable in your own skin mm -hmm. even warts and all mm -hmm. that you don't have to wear a mask you don't have to wear a mask every day and pretend to be somebody that you're not and so when we have like these dark little secret worlds of ours that nobody knows about then what we have to do is naturally we have to put on a mask mm -hmm. because we're not comfortable with that world we live it only when nobody's watching yeah. and then we have to go out and pretend to be somebody that we're not yeah. and that's I think why it hurts the church many times because people can't relate with pastors and different things like that because I think so many times pastors are living a secret world that nobody knows about and they can't be honest and real so they just talk about being super spiritual and they make themselves look super spiritual in rea reality there it's just hypocrisy it's just yeah. absolute hypocrisy yeah. so it's not an easy thing so self-awareness is what's really important you know it's to grow in that kind of self-awareness so yeah so sua so 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 but when you were at metro i think you said you did it for a little while but you stopped because life was kind of there like you were working you were a mom it just got too much right it was overwhelming for you um you know and it was just too much but can I just ask a real honest question? Did you feel like maybe it wasn't working for you? Like maybe it was like, ah, you know, like it's just something I got to do. It's not really working for me. So I don't know if I want to invest my time because I don't got much, you know, I, it's just I have so much going on in my life. I, I mean, I, I think it was working in the sense that we were going through the motions. Um, well, first of all, I do want to say it's hard, it's hard to find, not that you need to find like the perfect person because sometimes I think it's better if it's actually not somebody that you're super, super close with. Yes. Um, because there was like, for example, like Jen Shin had once, shout out to Jen Shin. Um, what up Jen, coolest girl, Jen Shin. 21st century. Um, she and I explored the idea of becoming soulmates, but by the time that we had explored it, we were already like best friends. And I just mm. felt like that relationship was not the best to transition into a soulmate relationship. Interesting. Um, because That's I just felt like, yeah, I just didn't feel like a best friend relationship was something that I wanted to, um, mm. 
kind of double up as a soulmate relationship because she, I mean, she knows most things about me, but at the same time, I just, I actually felt like I needed somebody who I wasn't seeing on a regular daily basis, hanging out with all the time. It was something more specific, someone I trust and someone whose authority I respect, but not somebody who was my best, best, best friend. You know, mm. I don't know if that makes any sense. And then as I get older and as my priorities keep growing, I think the circle of people that you really get to know gets really narrow. And so at that yeah. point I kept moving around. Like I was moving to, I moved to Charlotte, I moved yep. here. Um, it's just, things get lost, you know, but do I think that there was value in it? Absolutely. And I think it only comes from doing it and really implementing it as a regular rhythm of your life. I think if you just do it as like a couple of weeks or a couple of months and eh, it's not working, I don't really think you get to the point where it really makes a difference in your life. I think it's something that you got to commit to yeah. and try out for the long run. I mean, what do you think? Well, so I, I would push back a little bit on that because I, I, I don't, um, I think your best friends would be the best candidates to this because they, they, you guys already have that kind of friendship. Um, you've already kind of attained that kind of intimacy. That's interesting. You know, I, I, I think I, I can't imagine it hurting, um, the relationship, it'll only enhance it. Um, uh, you know, so I, I think the, the, the deeper question is, is that, you know, I wonder why, um, you know, you thought maybe it shouldn't be my best friend that I talk about and I open up and share because I'm, I'm, my whole thing is, well, that's, that's your soulmates become your best friends. They're not like completely different people that live different worlds, different lives from you, but they end up becoming your best friends because they're the ones that you are the most intimate with in terms of them knowing everything about you. Maybe it's because so, I get distracted easily. And whenever we start hanging out, we totally start veering off and talking about other things. Well, you know, Sua, maybe, but is it also, if, I, if I'm going to, let, let's, let, let, let's, let me push you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, push me. Yeah. Um, is it also because maybe you might be afraid, like, because you, and let's, let's use your good friend, Jen, uh, as, yeah. a, as an example, because I know Jen and I She's love her. She's just going to love that I'm talking She's going to love this. <laughs> is it because maybe you guys have, you know, uh, uh, developed a relationship at a certain level where you kind of have certain rhythms of how you guys do your friendship? And um, like, because what soulmates are is that you got to be completely honest with each other and also get give really honest feedback. Is that maybe the reason why maybe you felt like, you know what, I don't know if, if this would like work for our relationship if we have to give like really honest feedback with so, each other. Yes, I, I think there is that. But um, to kind of um, be more specific, it's not necessarily that I am not honest with those who I consider my best friends. Sure, it's that sure, sure. I feel that there is a time to give honest feedback. And then there's a time when I just need to be a good friend and be a good listener. Mm -hmm. um, and they're not always one of the same. And so um, if for that relationship to work, I would say if if I were looking at it retrospectively, if we I was going to make a best friend relationship, a soulmate relationship, I would have to be very specific about this is a time we're entering as soulmates. And so yeah. I will be giving very honest, truthful feedback. And yep. I yep. require your permission to do that because there Absolutely. are certain times when we're just having a crap day and I yep. don't really want my best friend to be giving me feedback yep. Yep. about what I could have done better or what I can improve about myself. You know, I just yeah. want her to listen to me kind of the same as you know, um, husbands, spouses, right? You just sometimes want them to listen. You don't want them to give you solutions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so I think it's totally doable. You're right. It's totally doable. In fact, it might be even better, but we, it would have to be a very specific um, and laid out time where I'd say, okay, this time for the next hour or whatever, we are entering into a soulmate time yep, yep. where we are going to be completely honest and I give you full permission to do that. And I think that exactly. would have worked. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it would work and I think it would be great. And I think, you know, sometimes in soulmate relationships, the best thing you can do is just listen. 
yeah. you know, and, and not really say much because depending on where the pe person is and things like that, sometimes the best thing you can do is just offer a hug. And you there's know, power in the confession yeah. itself, you know, even Absolutely. without the feedback, just the confessing to another person yeah. who is not just, not that God doesn't listen to your confession, yeah. but just a real person in front of you that you're confessing to. I think there's yep. power and value in that. So, so, so Sue, I, I'm going to ask another thing is, um, I, and this, I, I could be completely off, you know, because, you know, you and I don't hang out regularly anymore. But I, I think the big thing is that um, you got to ask yourself, like, are you, is, is maybe one of the reasons why you're not in a soulmate relationship isn't necessarily like somebody sharing truth with you. But do you have a little bit of fear of being honest and truthful and speak truth into somebody else's life? Because you're afraid that they may not like you if you do that. Yes. That you're yes. afraid of rejection. You're afraid of them saying, well, you know, get out of here. I don't want to be your friend, you know, kind of a thing. Like, is that is that could that be one of the reasons why maybe, you know, this is not like something that you're going to want to be a part of? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I have a huge fear of that. And I think I've gotten better over the years, but I am a pleaser um, by yeah. nature. Um, I'm going to, I think, you know, I blame my mom. My mom was kind of a moody person growing up. And so I feel like I learned early on, I need to say the right things and not push yeah. buttons when someone's having a bad day. Um, I love my mom, but she, she was a temperamental sure. person, you know? Sure. And so, um, I w I'm not somebody who says very confrontational things. In fact, I always yeah. shy away from, I, I don't shy away from confrontation, but I say it in a way that is extremely non-confrontational. And some of it is, I think, socialization as a woman. We're not allowed to be very aggressive because mm. we're perceived in a way, you know, mm. to be like the B word. Um, but mm. having lived with somebody who is extremely not afraid of confrontation, my husband, John, mm -hmm. he's an Enneagram 8. He is the challenger. That is literally what they term them. Yeah, I still, is, I still struggle with the Enneagrams. I'm like, what's an eight? What's a one? What's a five? What's a six? You know, so yeah. Take I'm glad it. I want to know what that. it is. It's yeah. not the gospel in case people, yeah. like people are almost taking yeah. it like gospel. It is not. Yeah. It's not in the Bible. There's no I, I chapter on the Enneagram. I think the Myers-Briggs has more of the gospel than Enneagram, but anyway, that's just me. But so. I mean, well, I don't know. I hope not because the Myers-Briggs put me as the same category as Hitler. Um, <laughs> I could see that because people just love you. What? Yeah, okay. yeah. what? I don't think they loved Hitler. I think they feared Hitler. But anyway, that's a whole different topic for another time. Um, but John is not afraid of confrontation. Yeah. He will just say things, even sometimes his emails or text messages. When he asks me to like look them over, it's like so cringy because I'm mm. like, do you want to soften this up a little bit? Like, do you want to maybe add an emoji? You know, because he's just like so direct. Um, and he does not worry how this is going to be perceived, whereas I completely worry about how someone's going to um, receive what I say. So you're right. I have, for a large part of my life, shied away. I would always err on the side of not saying truth, than sure. saying something and having them be offended. So you're right. That is absolutely something that I have been working on. And so I think like that's the journey, I think, for you. And, and I know there's if people are listening, I mean, this is probably like the majority of our audience, I think that, you know, we want everyone to like us, of course. And I think the, the challenge now is to search a little bit deeper and coming to the realization mm -hmm. that I think it's so great because you are so emotionally intelligent where you don't want to piss people off by the things you say and do and stuff like that. So you have this high EQ, but sometimes that high EQ really becomes um, sort of uh, uh, an excuse for us not to yeah. go deeper yeah. and not to have intimate relations. So as great as this is where you're able to not offend people and people just love you and stuff, the, the reality is like if you don't like work on these things or really go into deeper discovery, you're going to live your life not really experiencing what true intimacy is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the challenge. And the challenge is can we, you know, can we get to a yeah. place where we're okay and like we actually see when we give like let's just say your friend jen 
that when you share honest things with me. her, <laughs> that that this will like she, that you would see this and she would receive it as a term of endearment. By the way, just a note. I'm just using Jen as an example. She has yeah. never told me. See, this is me once again being like, she's going to kill me that I used her as an example. Exactly. Jen, <laughs> my Jen, friendship is over. <laughs> we love you, girl. No, we got to use. We got to use that. Yeah, as I'm just like using example. her because she's one of my best, best, best friends yeah. who I think knows me more than anyone else um, yeah. with the exception of my husband. And so, yep. yeah, you're you're right. And I think if we can't do that with those types of relationships, then we have no hope for the rest of our relationships, right? Well, and then, and then I really think it impedes on us having a deeper relationship with God, right? Because our, Ooh, our, our, depth of, our depth of our relationship with God can only go as deep as our relationships with humans. Oh, and, that's, and, that's and, awesome. And yeah. like, just think about it. How can right. we have a relationship with a God yeah. we can't see when we can't really have deep, intimate relationships with people that we can't see and You're touch? Right. And feel you know and stuff like that mm -hmm. and so i think that's the biggest you know connection there and realizing oh, okay well we have to get to the place where uh, we're willing to do this it's incredibly daunting it's it's, it's nerve-wracking and i've made a ton of mistakes through all of it but i think at the end like for me i would like because i've been living in this way where i'm exposing this like like my soulmate, my soulmates, like I just i don't know where i would be today unless they spoke hard truths mm -hmm. to me mm -hmm. And I did not take that as like, you're trying to hurt me, but I took that as my goodness, you love me that much that you would share that. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Like I am incredibly, incredibly thankful. So I think this could be a great journey for you to kind of process some of that stuff. And this is great because we're kind of doing this live. We didn't talk about any of this stuff. No, it was like a whole no. different agenda we were going to have for the soulmates thing. Where the spirit leads, is, right? <laughs> where the spirit leads. And it's just going deeper and deeper and kind of figuring that stuff out. And I think that's the, the question that we have to ask others, you know, like as you're listening to this, you know, what, what, what makes you afraid of intimacy? true intimacy because intimacy is really about being fully fully known and uh, and you shouldn't do that with everyone but just with a few people but i have and, a question um, yeah. for you so yes. um and i so i remember when i first joined metro staff the culture of the staff was great but it was still different i would say than the culture that it was when i was leaving um mm. what three years ago yeah um and a lot of it was i think your evolution into becoming more aware of how the staff was reacting yeah. to you um, and in the beginning, part of it was probably something that I referenced in a previous podcast about that Korean American culture. A lot of sure. us were coming from Asian American contexts yeah. where we could not challenge the senior pastor above anyone else. Right. But a lot of it was also, I think, hierarchical relationships maybe with our parents. If you're a man, yeah. a lot of father relationships playing into it. And um, we just would never disagree with you because that yeah. was just kind yeah. of the culture. And I don't think you were necessarily aware of that. Mm. Um, I don't think you were like abusing your power. You know, I think yeah. it was just something that was there and nobody really looked at it or examined yeah. it. But by the time I was leaving, there was a lot of um, you asking the staff for um, honesty and feedback. And um, I just wonder, like, is that hard? You know, because well, if somebody so, tells you something that's offensive, like, or is that really, how do you process that? It's Nobody hard. It's, that. It, it's, it evolves. It, it, I've evolved, you know, and I think the part is that when I finally got comfortable with hearing like honest feedback when I was vulnerable with my soulmates, I knew like, you know, my soulmates aren't with me all the time, mm -hmm. but like people on my staff are with me all the time. Yeah. They yeah. see me, they see me lead and they will give me a whole different level of feedback. And so like, I'm in that road, like I'm on this journey of like, I just want to keep growing in mm -hmm. more self-awareness because I'm tired of, of, of wanting to find some people who think I'm great. 
you know, because reality is, is like, no, there's some good parts to me, of course, you know, and stuff. And there's some things that, you know, that, that are great, but sure. like, I want to learn. And so I, I recently, I asked my elder board, I asked all of them, I said, Hey, is there like, um, is there like a question you've always wanted to ask me that you were always afraid to ask me? Oh, that's courage right there. And uh, just, just basically. <laughs> that's a brave thing to yeah, say. Yeah, like is, is there like honest feedback you want to give to me? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did and, they and deliver? They delivered, man. Oh One gosh. of my elders said this. She says, Peter, I think you have ADHD. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. ADHD? You have ADHD. You know, like, come on. Like, I, like it was so we were having dinner like lunch and she just shared it like I oh she told you in person I thought she like person. emailed it to you oh, no, no 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 but but this person oh, has known gosh. me literally for like 16 years of this church plan, oh my god 16, this is so funny years. and so she has known me for a long time she's a counselor so like this if you're so watching funny. Metro people are like oh I know who this person is and she said that originally I just like okay okay but I thought to myself what like how dare you say <laughs> I have ADHD <laughs> so I took that and I I started to think to myself and I said, and she said to me, she goes, listen, you need to get tested. You need to get tested. So it's not even like you might have ADHD, but you need to get tested. And so I was like offended. That is too what? funny. But you know what? It will explain a whole lot of things. <laughs> If I test positive for ADHD, like I would be so like, like I'm going to take this test and it's so. Wait, you are going to take the test. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause she told me I should. And I want to take the test because if I do have ADHD, oh my gosh, it will explain so many things about me. Oh, this is so funny. Like my wife, like a couple like days ago, like she was talking to me and stuff. And sometimes my eyes wander and she goes, Hey, look at me in the eye. <laughs> Look at me in the eye. I'm like, what am I, four years old? Like, am I four years old that you're telling me, like, treating me like a child? But the reality is oh that's what might be ADHD. So, like, you know, so, like, my elders, they see this, and they're like, hey, you might have it. And I'm asking for it, and they're giving it to me. And, yeah, I could take it as an offense. But, like, I really take it as, man, this, this person really loves me, and she wants me to get better and healthier so that I can be the best version that God wants me to be. And so I thanked her and I'm going to go through that. I'm going to get tested. Wow. One of my other elders. <laughs> she yes. Said, give us the goods. She said to me, she said, how do you think the staff deals with you playing favorites? Ooh. Oh like, my gosh. I was like, I don't have favorites. Like I just, I immediately, I saw <laughs> oh that. Oh my goodness. Like, you know what? I don't have favorites. Wow, they're going I don't there. Have favorites on the staff. And and I was like, so I know how to answer this question easily. But then I was like, but you know what? It's not for me to decide that. Like, I could say what I think because it's my perception. Sure. But it's not the truth. The truth are the staff. I got to ask the staff. It's the recipients who who are receiving sort of my care or lack oh thereof goodness. and stuff. So oh I asked goodness. about six or seven of my staff. And every wow, you asked a lot of people. Yeah. Every single one of them said, oh, yeah, you have favorites. <laughs> So I have favorites. And so I learned. So you didn't know. You really had no idea. No, I didn't because any staff like who want to connect with with me and stuff. So here are the three things like that, that they said, like what my favorites are. You know, so, you know, one uh, one person said uh, they like in the beginning when they first and this person was on staff for a long time. Um, they, they, they said that in the beginning, they said, you know, your favorites, Peter, had more opportunities to mm. minister at the church opportunities for leadership oh wow but 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 he said to me he said but it's changed now you've gotten much okay. better at that okay and i don't see that but you still have favorites but i think your favorites just have more information from you you communicate with them a lot more than you do mm. with your non-favorites on staff man i just thought that was oh, super that's... super helpful 
Wow. Super helpful. Another one of my staff said, wow. you know, Peter, I think you do have favorites, but, you know, the favorites are more affinity-based. Like, you know, you love sports, so you really tend to, you know, connect more with the staff who love sports and you love talking about it. It's not necessarily, you know, you like you have favorites and the other people and the people that are not your favorites, you mm -hmm. don't like, like to deal with them, you know, and things like that. And so, yeah, so those are some of the things that I took away from it. But, man, like, it's so incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to but grow in self-awareness and just realize, wow, I would have never known this and some of the stuff if I didn't ask or give pe uh, people permission to speak truth into my life. And I think were that's you, important. Were you always this good at receiving constructive criticism? No, no, I was horrible. I was horrible. I w First of all, years ago, I couldn't even ask that question because I, I was so insecure. Mm. You have to be secure in who you are. You have to know who you are and be comfortable in your own skin. If you're not comfortable in your own skin, you can't do this. You can't have a soulmate. And the people who don't have them really are, are I think a lot of times because they're just not comfortable in their own skin. And so once I've become more comfortable and you know with the good, but the bad and the ugly of who I am and that God still radically loves me no matter what, then I'm able to kind of enter into this journey of growing and deeper self-awareness. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's the journey that I've been taking. And, and, uh, and you know, like uh, one, you know, one of the other things that Scazzaro says to me all the time is this. He said, Peter, you're at a stage in your life with your discipleship in Jesus. He says, you have to put yourself in a position every day where you can grow in self-denial. Wow. Like you have to. Like that is your goal, right? Because at wow. the end, when you think about it, Sua, Jesus tells his disciples, if you want to follow me, you have to do yeah. something before yeah. you pick up the cross. And what is that? You have to deny yourself before you pick up the cross. Mm. And he says to me, he says, you're never going to really, you're not going to be willing to do the things that God, God may want you to do, particularly if it involves suffering, if you can't learn to deny yourself. Wow. And so when I ask these questions, when I confess my sins to my soulmate, there is no, like, I don't have any joy but I do it because I know I'm denying myself. Because mm -hmm. naturally, I don't want to confess. Naturally, I don't want to sure. ask my elders or Nobody my staff, wants to. how am yeah. I doing, you know? Yeah. I, I, there's an inherent fear that I have, you know, from receiving it. But when, I, when every time I receive it, you know, I'm just grateful because I know the people who I ask, I know they're not, they're not gonna share this stuff to hurt me, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's me drinking that cup of self-denial. And that's what soulmates are. It helps you to grow in self-denial. It helps you to be comfortable in your own skin mm -hmm. so that you know who you really are before the Lord, warts and all. And you're comfortable with it enough where you can continue to pursue a journey where you want to learn more and grow more and have deeper intimacy with people. And it doesn't happen unless you're willing to grow in self-awareness. So, you know, that's, 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 that's yeah. the beauty of soulmates. And that's why, you know, if we don't have soulmates and you only need one person and they don't like, I think what Sua was correct, they don't have to necessarily be like somebody that's your best friend or like you get along super well with. You know, they don't, they actually don't even have to be people who are more spiritual than you because one of my soulmates is actually a police officer. And I'm a lot more quote unquote spiritual than I was going to say, is. are police officers inherently not spiritual? <laughs> well, you know, I have a theological degree. You know, you people would think, well, maybe your soulmate should be another pastor. Well, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I have I some soulmates that are pastors. But like, you know, like I, I could have said, you know what? I don't know if I want to ask this guy to be my soulmate because he's a, he's an officer. He's not like a ministry person. Right. But this right. guy, like just God knew, man, because he's a detective, mm. man. And he interrogates me when I sin. Oh, I was like, going to say, will, that's actually He will unravel and like help me to like kind of get back. He goes, well, let's go back to that moment. You can't okay? get let's past kind of figure out him. What were you feeling? Yeah, he's like, what was your, like what anything. were you feeling? And yeah. it was just, 
Wow. He's so thorough, and I'm so deeply thankful for this man because um, he is truly a godsend. And I will do anything for this guy. Like I, you know, if he called me and said, "I need you," um, you know, come. And if it's like a Saturday night, and I got to preach on Sunday, and he's like, I'm, "I'm really struggling right now." I get on a plane and go wow. there in a heartbeat, and I'll just say, "Hey, play a videotape of something." And so and he doesn't even live in the same geographical no, in distance. Oh, so soulmates can be soulmates cannot. Oh yeah, they don't have to be. Absolutely, like, you don't have to physically meet them. Yeah, I think with you know, I, I think with soulmates, it's great to like do one or two trips a year where you guys could actually meet face to face, you know, and stuff like that. It's great, but I think the the rhythm should be once a week, uh, max uh, once a week, uh, or uh, once every other week should be the okay. Uh, okay. the level of frequency. Outside of that, you can't, you know, you can't do more than that. And is it uh, reciprocal? Is it reciprocal? Oh. Like you go and then they go. Absolutely. If it's not okay. reciprocal, they're not your soulmates. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So like if there's like, well, yeah, I'll listen to you. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not just me. You got to start sharing too. And you invite each other to it and you just mm-hmm. go through it. And it, it's a little rough in the beginning. But uh, but listen, if you're listening and you want more input on this, I can give you an outline. I taught a workshop on this uh, a couple of months ago at the church. I'm happy to send you that information to kind of give you the guidelines, you know, to to doing this. But I think the, the biggest thing is you grow in self-awareness. But what the soulmates really help you to do is to overcome shame because when we oh, wow. sin when yeah. we do something yeah. wrong or when we think there's something that's not good about us or uh, you know uh we we live in shame and that's just a natural thing and and nothing destroys our mm. our ability to live a healthy life when we shame teaches you that you're a mistake mm-hmm. and and we have to deal with that and um and the reason why i think soulmates are so effective is because at the end they help you to deal with the shame it's the whole going back to genesis it's to be, our goal in life is to be naked and not afraid. That's our goal, because that's what happened before the fall. And we have to have a few people we can be naked and not afraid, because we live this life with so much fear and we have to be fully clothed so that they don't see who we really are. Mm-hmm. But there's a beauty to your nakedness, you know, um, if you're willing to be honest. And that's really how you can be naked and not afraid. And so we have to be willing to do that. Not to be confused with the show Naked and Afraid. Which is one of my favorite shows, uh, <laughs> I love especially show. the, especially the XL version. I love the XL because they're there for forty amazing, days. Amazing, <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, maybe there's something spiritual there. I don't know. Naked um, and not afraid. Exactly, they're vulnerable at the you know at the most vulnerable place. Yeah. But yeah, that thing you said about shame is really um, deep, and I have never heard that for the basis of having soulmates, and I think that really frames it in a way that's very spiritual. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, our, our life, you know, like the, the way we're going to taste heaven today, uh, cause we can, because Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead, we can have a little bit of taste of what heaven is going to be like. And I think what that taste is, is that going back to the garden before the fall mm. happened and yeah. we have to learn to be naked and not afraid. And that's not a physicalness. And I think physicalness has to be important. I think married couples, you got to learn to be I was just going to say, afraid. excuse me, what? <laughs> yeah, it would marry couples like, you know, we can't, okay. well, this is another podcast, but we cannot associate nakedness with sex. Nakedness has to be vulnerability. And in a culture that you and I live in today, nakedness means sex. No, mm-hmm. it's not that. Nakedness means intimacy. So another and podcast. Ha- right, right. We have, yeah. to, we have to talk about that. But, but our huh. goal as people is we have to find some people we can be naked with, like completely naked and not afraid. And if we can do that, we're living a heavenly life, in my That's opinion. That's awesome. So, 
Awesome. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, we, we have to wrap up here, but thank you so much for listening. If you have any feedback, please get on www.weekpastor.org. We'd love to hear your questions, your comments. Uh, we can, you know, if you have some uh, questions about the soulmate stuff, I'm happy to send you stuff. Send me an email. I'd be happy to email you um, some of the material that I have on soulmates. But thank you so much for listening. Thank Tune you. Tune in next week. Bye. Bye.